Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and I'm a little frazzled right now because I'm trying to make sense of some extremely tedious Reddit drama that I think I may have screwed up in an issue of Garbage Day I just published. So, And I am to- Luke, and I am a little frazzled because... I have been inadvertently looped into a whole load of anti-trans nonsense from the UK. Uh, let's do your thing first. What 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 have you okay. what do you think you screwed up? Let's get into the show. <laughs> Okay, as I understand it, there was okay. There's the big subreddit r anti work, which is what everyone was using to talk about the Great Resignation. Then uh, the mod from r anti work went on Fox News and got owned by Jesse Waters because uh, she was being extremely cringe, and everyone revolted. And then she started deleting all of the posts about her Fox News appearance. So then they made wait. Sorry, can, I, can we go back? Why was she on Fox News? That seems... Nobody knows why okay. she, she, a trans woman, decided to go on Fox News and represent a subreddit of 1.7 million people. Who are, broadly that, speaking, on the liberal left side. Yeah, but like also just like people who like really, uh, really don't want to work shitty jobs. And so they don't see that as political. And I think half of the reason why the subreddit has been so successful is because they're taking you know, very leftist ideas and packaging them in a way that, like, any working class person can wrap their head around. Right, they're just saying your job sucks. Yeah, work sucks, I know. You know, that's what <laughs> Blink-Way 2 is all about. Uh, so, okay, that happens. They create a spin-off subreddit called Our Work Reform, which then gets so popular so quickly that Reddit admins force them to get moderators. So they bring in moderators from the subreddit Sanders for President. Those mm. moderators then hold elections which were rigged become the head moderators of the new work reform subreddit vote out the original organizers and then those organizers created the subreddit workers revolt to talk about all the drama that's happening in work reform i think that's what's happened you know what it is here right is is these people need jobs they've got too much time on their hands (laughs) i think there's something you said very I think you've said it a few times on the show, but I know that you said it in one of our earlier episodes where you said that all leftist movements, like, naturally splinter. Yes. Like, that's what they do. And that's basically what's happening now across several anti-work subreddits. Yeah, exactly. Because the the left is broadly about getting the ideal society, and the right is about getting a society that is ideal for you. So it's understood that on the right, your interests are different to your neighbors and on the left it's not understood and therefore everyone has to constantly fight each other because they're all trying to get to everything to their perfect spot and yeah as a result yeah the left is inherently conflicted yeah so it's unfortunate that uh you know the worker solidarity movement has yet again been uh you know subverted by the worker solidarity movement indeed indeed <laughs> uh so you mentioned that 
you're being bombarded by turfs. <sighs> I am also being bombarded by turfs because a mutual friend of ours uh, decided to at us in a tweet about turfs. And now, uh, I mean, I find turfs the most tedious people on earth because they just don't shut up. Oh, they God. just go and go and go and go. I mean, so much of the kind of turf rhetoric is based around the problem is is you can't have a civil debate with people we're just trying to mention these ideas we're just trying to have a conversation and no, they're not trying to have a conversation they're trying to deluge you with insane nonsense or they have enough platform to entirely ignore everyone else's arguments those are the only two options yeah i mean one of the one of the big problems also is like they think that they're scientifically correct but they have no understanding of anything to do with science so they just like talk in these insane circles and they they have a lot of free time on their hands i think because they t I, I we've been getting tweets together in this horrible twitter canoe for over 24 hours now yeah like i, I hate to say it but touch grass like have things that are other things in your life that you think about and this Please. this whole thing this whole thing kicked off because mum's net the center of turf radicalization in the uk which after the past 24 hours i'm now very confident in saying um hosted a basically a forum chat with two mps one tory one labor um both of whom have done some really good work uh for women's rights in, in various different areas uh and the topic was basically how do you get more women into politics like what do you do to, to make that happen and the conversation immediately descended into Every single person asking them, A, what is a woman? How would, would, would a parliament of 50% men, 50% trans women be a diverse parliament? And every single comment was like this. Like I, I went through it and I reckon maybe one in 20 was about something else. And if that is your entire politics, that is a, such an insanely radicalized community that I don't understand how you come back from that. No, and that's like the thing is that like these people are so obsessed with it. And, and I think that is the, the term is like, obsession they are obsessed with this to the degree where even if it's not the topic they're so fixated on it that it just becomes the topic there's no other version of reality and there's nothing else to talk about other than trans people which is insane like it's it's uh, it's unlike anything i've ever seen on 4chan or or 8chan or, or anything like that it's it's a fixation i think <sighs> if you want to tweet me and luke about turfs please use the show account yes it's a separate column on my tweet deck and it's just much easier to silo all that stuff off. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be pulled into your arguments, but just don't use our personal accounts because it's just. I got, I, I've been, I got retweeted by Chris Hayes, so Joe Rogan fans are all in my mentions, and now I have turfs all in my mentions, and it's exhausting. It's so exhausting. It's so annoying. <sighs> Speaking of which, that's what this show is actually about this week. We're talking about Joe Rogan, but before we get to that, hey Luke, how is crypto this week? Please, 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 don't buy an NFT. Please, 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 don't buy an NFT. Please, 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 don't buy it. Please, 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 don't buy it. Please, 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 don't buy an NFT. How is crypto this week? Um, I would say that crypto has been... It feels... Honestly, it feels a little bit like a tide has been turned. And in fact, this has just happened in the last like few hours that a, and, and basically the way I'm measuring this is as with everything, football. Uh, but footballers are very into crypto right now and they're very into NFTs. And, uh -huh. but they have got all got to the point where they are starting to 
turn off their mentions when they tweet about crypto and they are starting to hide replies and all this stuff, which means I think that there is a very clear... I think that the broad population has come down on one side or the other, and I do not think it's come down on the pro-NFT, pro-crypto side. I think it's gone like, this is stupid and annoying, and I wish you would stop talking about this. I do think that we have definitely hit a, a level of mainstream crypto fatigue. I think people are exhausted by it. But I think like we're entering a new phase based on everything I'm seeing from like the non-NFT side where institutions have have pretty much de- decided that like they're going to buy bitcoin like like yeah. there's there's really no capitalistic institution anymore that isn't drafting or has already implemented a storing their value in bitcoin plan and i think that is going to make things so wacky so quickly by wacky you mean a global financial crash i assume well it's not even like like I mean, I don't know. So I, I've been following the crypto market pretty much since the GameStop pump, a little bit before that, actually. And what's really interesting about it is that, like, it crashes all the time. Like, like by, the, by, by stock market standards, like, wasn't the stock market crash of the 1920s, like, 20%? Uh, I think it may have been more than that. I would have to look it up. Crash was, yeah, it was maybe a bit more. It was about a third. Yeah, probably about a third. Yeah. Bitcoin does that like all the time. Like, that's what's so crazy is like it crashes constantly. And the fact that we're having more and more giant institutions invest in it, but it also is scary, but it also spikes all the time. So it's just like it's like a completely different way of thinking about gains and losses. And I I, I that's why I use the term wacky, because I'm still not totally convinced it's like disastrous, but it's like it's just going to make things really com- confusing. I think it's just because it's not, like, it's fundamentally not real money. Like, basically, if Bitcoin bottoms out, a bunch of people get screwed, but everyone kind of goes like, all right. Like, it, it, this is the problem. It's not linked to anything. Like, the problem with the stock market is that, a, the, 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 like, the 1929 crash, for example, is A, that a bunch of, like, normal people had their money tied up in it. And they had, like, significant portions of their savings tied up in it because it was considered a long-term strategy rather than a, uh, Bitcoin, which it feels like a little bit more of a get-rich-quick scheme, so people are kind of only putting in what they can afford to lose. Uh, right. Obviously, there are exceptions to that. But also the 1929 crash, because it has significant impacts on like companies, like companies lost their capitalization, which meant that they couldn't, you know, they couldn't pay their workers, they couldn't do anything. And so it actually had an impact. Whereas Bitcoin crashing, it's like, well, it's down again. It's like, okay, like it doesn't matter. Like It's not tied to anything. It's nothing. You know what the problem is? So I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think the fundamental problem with crypto is that it is a it is a device extremely well designed for socialism that has instead been invented by capitalists. Explain. Uh, okay. Expound on that idea. Okay. Because so, I think I so, agree with so you, actually. The, the, the problem that Bitcoin solves is the problem of trust, right? Like, it is a thing where it is 100% trustworthy because it is locked on the blockchain. Everyone can see what everyone's doing. It's transparent. And everyone knows what's happening. Now, that's a really good system for, like, a co-op. Actually, so yeah. co-ops collapse for basically two reasons. Reason one is that uh, everyone sleeps with the wrong person. That's the most common reason, yep. admittedly. 
Reason yeah. two is that yeah. no one can trust each other. Uh, so the money goes in in different ways, and like people hold back money, and they spend the wrong bit of money in the wrong place, and, and everything is a bit fractious, and then it, it falls apart. Which is why co-ops have kind of got a lifespan. It's usually five years. It's sometimes a bit longer if you get good people, sometimes a lot less if they're young and they're all sleeping with each other. But that's broadly like how a co-op works, and the, the big problem with it is trust. Now, if you put a co-op on the blockchain, that actually would work. Like everything's monitored in a central place. All of your... You know, the votes. I mean, you're, you're describing a DAO. You're describing a decentralized autonomous organization. Sure. But a decentralized autonomous organization for some reason works together in order to attempt to buy the Salvador Mundi. It doesn't work together to be like, Hey, how could we like have a, a, a house, uh, a big house that we all lived in and everyone worked and kind of just lived their own lives. It was really secure because we were on the blockchain in a perfect trust environment. And like, that's it. The problem with capitalism obviously is that no one trusts anyone. So everything is always belt and braces and it's like, we're going to make a deal and I'm going to write a load of laws and it's into contract and a load of restrictions and a load of rules. So we're all going to like have checks and balances, which you don't need Bitcoin to solve that. No one trusts each other anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, you could, you could use cryptocurrency to build a fairly self-sustaining financial operation of some kind. But the people, I mean, this is, this is the issue with the whole thing is that like culturally it's so toxic that any smart, interesting, creative person is just not going to get involved with it. That's, I mean, that's plain simple. And the reason why DAOs organize themselves around completely idiotic ideas is the same reason why like the internet helps Trump get elected, but can't help Bernie Sanders get elected. Like it, it like there's the, the mechanisms of internet virality don't help serious things succeed they they're populist and they're raw populism so you get like stupid shit in this and it's it's the same thing as every other form of viral content but now it's just financial yeah i mean yeah i know that does make sense i i do think that i just think i always think like there is a purpose of the blockchain and everything is being used for is not it yeah and and that will continue until I mean, no, it will continue indefinitely because there's really no way at this point to change the culture of crypto. The people who got sucked into it are psychos and there's, there's just no, there's no, there's no world where like actually smart. And you know, what's really funny is I, I've spoken to a lot of devs, like normal devs, like normal people in the, the tech industry who are like, I would actually be interested in working on blockchain products, but it is social suicide to do that. And I'm not going to get involved. Yeah, like the, the smart people who are like, hey, I have an interesting implementation of this are not the people who are actually doing it. No. Which I, I, long-standing theory about NFTs is that they are so nonsensical that they are damaging the reputation of crypto. And I think that's entirely possible because I, I think that particularly like what I'm seeing now with like footballers and stuff, people are becoming like, – like they don't – the people on the one side have for a long time said, oh, my God, when everyone understands this is going to be amazing – and now they're getting to the point where they're like, oh my God, everyone understands this and they hate it. And I think yeah. we're, we're getting to that kind of inflection point, which I do think is going to be really interesting because I do think you're going to have a load of radicalized people who are like, use our product. And everyone's like, no, it sucks. Like, you know, at some, at some point, at some point, if you're selling shit burgers on the street, like you're not, people aren't going to buy it. I mean, that's the other thing is that like most NFT or crypto based products do suck. Like they're, they're slow and bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally helped design an NFT-based product that we released last week uh, called the Super Fungible Token. You should definitely go check it out. It's very fun. <laughs> the the non-blockchain elements of it work fantastically. 
its integration with an N the NFT platform that hosts it is literally breaking because like it can't handle the amount of engagement that it's getting, which I mean, is hilarious. And that's exactly it. If, if I could not even feasibly imagine like explaining it to my parents in a way that would mean they could actually use it, it's not a technology that's ever going to catch on. No, no. I, uh, my dad, you know, listeners of the show know this. My dad loves crypto. I tried to show him how a crypto wallet worked. He was like, I don't care about this and I don't want, I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> he, he meant the using it as a currency. He's still speculating on it wildly using his Coinbase app or whatever, but he is, uh, he is not interested in learning about the, f the fundamentals as the people on Reddit call it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the problem. That's the problem. All right. Yeah. So, uh, before we go into our like final section, uh, we should talk about these, these two videos because I think they are, they are, they set up, I, I guess it's got the, the, the energy of like what we need to talk about. Yeah. I do think, so we're talking about Boston snowstorm content. Is that correct? Boston snowstorm content. And just very, yeah, so this is, this is very important to, uh, get us warmed up for Joe Rogan. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So our first one is, uh, a clip that I did send to my entire family <laughs> and it's from WBZ TV, which, uh, my family watches, uh, it's, you know, great local news station. And, uh, I believe this is the one where he says it's fresh powder, like, like an English muffin. Let's see. Hold on. Yeah. I need you to explain the references in this to me. Oh, been like so far, is it kind of easy to it's, plow? It's real easy. It's, it's like, uh, Bread and butter. <laughs> you know, it's like a Thomas's English muffin with some jam. It spreads nice and gets all the nooks and crannies. It's all, it's powder. It's easy. Right. So in this video, he, he compares the fresh snow to a Thomas's English muffin with jam. Now, what he's saying is it reminds <laughs> him of a type of bread uh, called an English muffin, which is what you would, I think, call... Uh, like a, I don't know. What do you, uh, I think it's just, I think, honestly, I think we just call it a muffin. It's not, it's not, uh, <laughs> like it's, it's not, one of the, it's one of those scenarios where actually like the English version of it is just a muffin. Well, it's not sweet though. We're not talking about a sweet muffin. Yeah, No, a muffin in the UK is not sweet. Okay. They're just muffins. We're talking about, we're talking about a, uh, it's, it's a savory piece of bread that, Famously, according to the TV uh, advertisement for it, has nooks and crannies that you can spread your butter and jam <laughs> over. Okay, so this is what this plow driver is saying, that there are nooks and crannies. Well, no, he's saying that the snow is, is, very, <laughs> is very smooth, like, like when you would spread jam over a warm... Thomas's is a, is a brand of English muffin. I, I like Thomas's English muffins quite a bit. Um, so hold on. It's all the nooks and crannies. It's all, it's powder. It's easy. Yeah. He says it spreads nice. It gets all the nooks and crannies. So that's <laughs> what he's, that's what he's referring to. All right. So we've got another video here. Have you seen this and one? This video. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so the no, I have not seen this one. But the important context of this is that this is an absolute blowing snowstorm and every single person is wearing like full on ski goggles and hats because they're just out in the street, but it's, a full-on storm. 
Yeah, yeah, no, the, it was a, it was an incredible noista, as they call it. And my family were sending me photos of the snowdrifts that were very high in their backyard. So I'm very familiar with the recent storm. Yeah. And this was filmed by WCVB, another great local station in the Boston area. And it was filmed in Situate. <laughs> uh, so here we go. Have you heard the news about Tom Brady? Yes. What do you make of all that? I don't know. I don't know. It's dropped next to it, I guess. What about you, uh, Roman? What do you make about the Tom Brady news? It's not great. Did not you great. did you see it coming at all after this past season? Uh, I thought he had a couple more years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was hoping so, but, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely getting up there, getting close to the 45 number. Uh, you told me as you were first walking by, where are you guys trying to go right now? Uh, we're trying to find an open Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Can't find them. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is fantastic here. So I, I had to listen to one part of it a few times just to see if I understood what he was saying. So he asks it the first man, "What does he think about the Tom Brady news?" So Tom Brady's retiring, and Tom the Tom Brady uh, post Patriots era has been complicated for my family because they have to watch the Patriots games, obviously, but then they also have to watch all of Tom Brady's games, much like. A uh, person would watch the Instagram stories on a Finsta of their ex's uh, uh, account, you know? Yeah. So my dad has to watch double the football games. It's a whole thing. So the first man says, oh, is Gronk next? And he's referring to Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. Who has already retired once and came back to play for the Buccaneers. Yeah, yeah. So he's, uh, yeah, that's fair. And then the second man is asked where they're trying to go. And he says they're trying to find an open Dunkin' Donuts. At no which point, is, at no point during this interview, in an absolute blowing snowstorm in which they're all wearing ski goggles, does anyone mention the weather, which I find fascinating. Well, no. I mean, first of all, what is there to ask about the weather? <laughs> you can see it. They're wearing ski goggles and a mask, and and it's, there's a lot of snow. Also, what's really funny, I think, maybe for you, to you might not know this, but like during the snowstorm. There's not much to talk about until the snowstorm is over, and then you can, like, talk about it. Okay, you're not allowed to talk about the snowstorm while the snowstorm's happening. No, what I'm saying is, like, so in a typical Massachusetts snowstorm, it starts snowing. Sure, great. But you won't know how bad the snow is going to be until the wind hits or the temperature locks in. So it could be an incredibly bad snowstorm, but... This, the the snow doesn't last because the, the temperature is too high. Or it could be an absolutely punishing snowstorm, but the wind blows it all around so you don't get like completely destroyed, which is what happened with this one. My mom said that if, if the wind hadn't been so strong, it would have been much, much worse for her backyard. Gotcha. So, so, it's, it... so okay. And to put it into context for you, when the snow is falling, that's like the two weeks before you get the COVID numbers. Right, right. <laughs> so you're just sitting around, and you can't go anywhere because it's too hard, it's too bad to drive. It's cold, so you're you're basically just none of the, none of the Dunkins are open. None of the Dunkins are open, uh, and when the snowstorm's happening in the daytime, or in the, or if it's continued into the morning, that's when things start to get pretty dire, and that's when you start to see people like on skis going to Dunkin' Donuts because Dunkin' Donuts is going to be the only place that's probably open. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That's that's so. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. I would say both these clips are indicative of the culture that I grew up in. And, uh, yeah, I'm wondering, you know, is Rob Gronkowski next? Will he retire next? Who knows? Can I do one minute on the culture that I grew up in? Sure. Yes. So this is about Jimmy Savile. 
Yes. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. So this is kind of just to put a cap on some of the stuff that we said well over eighteen months ago, and then also again six months ago, which was that was a big rumor about Keir Starmer letting Jimmy Savile off, uh, and we talked about it six months ago in a very annoyed fashion. As well, I was very annoyed because it was like this is going to come up and be a thing. I was annoyed about eighteen months ago because it was this is going to come come up and be a thing. Lo and behold, yesterday. uh Prime Minister Boris Johnson said in the House, I hear that Keir Starmer, all Keir Starmer does is let off, let off Jimmy Savile. That's what he did when he was director of public prosecutions. And now it's a thing. And now everyone's talking about whether or not Keir Starmer let Jimmy Savile off. And it felt very sure. Yep. This was happening eventually. Um, and quite, quite frustrating. I want to thank the people who binge our show and keep track of the inane things that we say. <laughs> Um, it has, it has, it does feel like in the last six months, it has become kind of a game for our listeners to remember the things that we say more than we do. <laughs> yes. Um, so thank you for the unofficial archivist of the content minds. I, I, I always like to know like what kind of show we're becoming and it does feel like we've become like that extremely dense, long running show that like requires <laughs> multiple fans to document because there's just no way we can keep up with it. Yeah, I, I, I think you, you called it pretty well because I, I guess what it, what it took was Boris Johnson to be pushed into a corner enough where he would go that low, right? Yeah, pretty much. And uh, 300 photos of Boris Johnson's various <laughs> COVID parties were submitted to the Met Police the other day. So there you go. That's, that's, that's the corner he got pushed into. He's still there. He's, he's not going anywhere somehow. I mean – there, there is something to be said for like what happens when British political culture meets a beast like Boris Johnson, who will just say, "No, I'm not leaving," and like what does that entail and look like? And well, I guess we're finding out. Well, then we have to wait for Tory MPs to send secret letters to a guy named Mark. Oh, we're doing this again. Not Graham. Yeah. I thought his name was Graham. Oh uh, no, he left. It's now Mark. Did it leave between last week and this week, or did I just misremember? Oh uh, no, it wasn't. It was it was Graham when it was Theresa May. Oh, Mark is the new guy. Yeah, pretty sure Mark's the new guy. Yeah. Didn't we do this literally last week? I don't know, man. Didn't you, didn't you Google this literally last week? Shit, it was maybe, it is, maybe it is Graham. Fuck. Okay, yeah, said, it's Graham. It's Graham. I it's thought Graham. you... Yeah, I'm thinking of the whip. I'm thinking of the whip. I'm thinking of the whip. You thought of a guy named Mark last time, and then you're like, no, it's... Okay, I'm going to... I could cut that out, but I'm going to keep that in for people. Cool. Until uh, here. Uh... All right, speaking of bad men in positions of power who <laughs> refuse to leave, it's time to talk about Joe Rogan. You asked me a question right before we started recording, and I want to spin it around and ask you the same thing. Have you ever listened to a full episode of Joe Rogan? No. No. Have no. you listened to parts of an episode of Joe Rogan? I've seen clips of it. Um, I have – no. I, I Honestly, I've never even tried. Like, I, I like I like podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I like listening to a lot of varied podcasts. Like, that's like a thing. I can listen to them about a bunch of different topics. Uh, I typically listen to them – at an accelerated speed, which I know you hate, but I... You're one of those freaks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm one of those freaks. I have been told that our show is unlistenable at 2x speed because I cut out all the pauses. 
and we okay. talked fast pretty normally. So I've I've been told that our show is a mess when you try to speed it up. Okay, cool. I mean that's good because I I want our show to be unintelligible to myself. Um, yeah, good. <laughs> as it often is because we can't remember what we said. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I've never tried to listen to it because I get that I. What's really frustrating, and this is the other thing I, I literally said before we came on, is that I think that I can understand the appeal of Joe Rogan to people who can listen to podcasts while doing otherwise very boring jobs. And that's not like a criticism of those jobs or anything. It's not a criticism of the people in those jobs. It is that, you know, if you are, and I'm sure, I know I've done this. I'm pretty sure you've done it. I'm sure a bunch of people listening have done, have done it, have done like really tedious jobs. Like I think my most tedious job was probably cutting fish uh when i used to like mm. cut fish but i would do it it was it was like incredibly rope like you get out a box of fish you pull it out you cut the bone out you slice it into a certain size and i, I, I would do it for like two three hours straight and then i do chips and all, all that stuff but i used to i used to stock shoes exactly right where it's like it's super menial like you don't need to like really engage your brain you can think about other things that is a perfect th- time to listen to like a three-hour podcast and I think that there is a, a real appeal of Joe Rogan to people who end up doing jobs like that. Similarly, like people who are on, I mean, this is always, it's always a list of people, like people who are long-term sick leave, people who are, uh, you know, unemployed, people who are working night shifts, like night shifts at work, both, but also not at work because there's nothing to do in the day because everyone they know is working normal hours. All these people are the sort of people who listen to Joe Rogan and therefore can listen to these incredibly long podcasts. But I, I don't have the, I don't have the time. Like I struggle to listen to a three hour podcast and I struggle to pay attention to it for that long. I mean, a normal length for Joe Rogan is about three hours, which is just insane. And I, I, I imagine, so I imagine Joe Rogan essentially operates the same way Twitch streamers do. Like it, like if a, like a 19 year old kid listening to Hassan for hours, is probably kind of stuck in the same rhythm as his dad in the other room who's listening to Joe Rogan, you know? Yes, almost definitely. Like, like there is, there's absolutely, okay, this is actually a really good opportunity to, to try to coin a word here. There is like an ASMR quality that is an ASMR to listening to a really long kind of unfocused stream. And like, like my friend will listen to Twitch streamers while she does the dishes and they just sort of, they just sort of talk. They just sort of like play Minecraft and talk. And there's just sort of like this ambience to it. that's like extremely captivating for long periods of time. And I think like Joe Rogan does that, but not live. Like he, he sort of offers that so that for three hours, like there's just someone in the room with you. Like when my grandma would watch Fox News all day, there's just someone in the room. Yeah, for what it's worth, I think that a lot of the criticism of Joe Rogan has been because, oh, well, he is bad and doing a thing from a platform you don't understand when in reality like i would significantly rather people watch joe rogan what listen to joe rogan than fox news the 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 love or the interest of joe rogan i think to me is you know it's as toxic as anything a bunch of men like which i think we can all agree like if a bunch of men like something it's probably bad sure but i don't find joe rogan as ideologically threatening as someone like tucker carlson i just don't think they're comparable i really don't even with the alex jones and jordan peterson and tim pool stuff i just i don't think his fans are that like rabid i don't think they're i don't think they take him that seriously well ultimately also i i, I don't know if 
yeah, maybe they don't take him so seriously, but also his shtick is kind of like he's just asking questions, but he is also literally just asking questions. Like I do think he is genuinely intellectually curious in a way that someone like Tucker Carlson, or rather someone like the character Tucker Carlson plays on TV isn't. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, I mean, I used to get this... I used to get this a lot when, like, at the height of, like, the radicalization movement around the world, like, I would obviously, as a reporter, get put in situations where I had to interview bad people. I've had, uh, I interviewed Richard Spencer, horrible, horrible interview, the most boring person I've ever spoken to. Um, and I sat for an hour with, with Lauren Southern at a bar in the UK before she, she got big, before she went out on the boat to harass refugees. I spent an hour talking to her. You know, and you, you, you sort of talk to bad people and the responsibility of a reporter, the responsibility that Joe Rogan doesn't have any interest in, in doing is figuring out how to deal with those people of interest in a way that's, that's not going to spread their shit everywhere. Yeah. Joe Rogan doesn't really care about that. And I think what's really fascinating is that like a lot of journalists seem to be extremely neurotic or extremely like almost like offended that Joe Rogan is not playing in that space the way that they are and people like it. And it's like, well, of course people like it because like people like, I don't know. It's so hard to talk about this stuff without making it seem like Joe Rogan is good. Cause I don't think he is. And I don't want to listen to his show. Cause I find it fucking boring and obnoxious. And obviously it's like pretty racist and sexist a lot, but I think Joe Rogan treats his audience like adults in a way that a lot of people who write for mainstream publications don't. I think that's almost definitely true. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I'd also add that he has the advantage of being ideologically incoherent, which makes him, <laughs> which, 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 yeah. which makes him like most people. Like there's this, this yeah. ongoing thing that happens. I happens in the UK. I know it happens in the US as well, US as well, where people have just beliefs that are diametrically opposed. Like people think and they want, yes. like, like in the UK, it's always, they want lower taxes and more money to go to the NHS. And it's like, pick one <laughs> sorry and it's like no we want both and and like people are ideologically incoherent and they think a bunch of things about some things and a bunch of things about others and they have values which don't adhere to either of them and he's kind of like that because he's just like i, I know i know many people who voted for obama twice and trump twice i right. know people who voted for obama once romney once trump once and Biden once like it's and and and, and which Sanders and, had run and it's like why it's like oh god the amount the amount of uh 55 plus men that I know who have all said some version of like well I would have voted for Sanders if I could have voted for Sanders but I'll vote for Trump because he's the next best thing yeah and it's like exactly. what the fuck are you talking about yeah what are your what are your politics like and, and, I mean but we know we, we know the answer and I feel like we have to address this because if we don't our audience is going to say something like the connection there is misogyny. Yes. Like, and that, and that's the, and that's true of Joe Rogan as well. Like, to, the, 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 the thing is that like, if you are a white, and it's like, it's like the same guys who are like, oh, uh, I don't think Boba Fett should take his helmet off as much in the new Boba Fett show. And it's like, I mean, I do wish Boba I mean, the, Fett would shoot someone. I, I know that's a lot to ask from a Boba Fett show, but Boba Fett should shoot someone in that show. I, I honestly just wish the show was better. I'm, I, I, I struggled so hard to get through that show, but that's a whole different segment. But there, there is, there is this thing that Joe Rogan is very good at tapping into where he, he talks to the audience as if he knows them. They, people love that, but he also, I think, isn't so like, 
post 2015, a lot of like mainstream media outlets have tried to like address the moment, right? You've, you've got like CNN anchors who are, who are doing like diatribes about misinformation on TV. And you have these people who are like trying to like, like, like lean into this political moment. And I think Joe Rogan has been very smart in how stupid he is by just being like, yeah, it's all fucked. Everyone sucks. Like, <laughs> and, and people love that. It's like, it's an extremely captivating thing. Uh, but it also opens him up to just like a lot of bad, a lot of bad stuff, like particularly yeah. anti-vax stuff. I thought his uh, apolo- pseudo-apology, wasn't really an apology, but his kind of mea culpa for what has happened. Because I'm reason we're doing this, we haven't actually talked about the main thing, which is should Spotify be banning him or not banning him or canceling his contract or whatever it is. But I thought that his mea culpa for that whole thing was, was really interesting because one of the things that he said about it was kind of a I should interview more people on the normal side of the argument which I think is really interesting because that is very much his brand he's just like I don't know what does everyone else say like let's let's go to the the alternative and him saying I should interview the normal people who think the normal things is I think is really interesting yeah I mean the the the, so okay to get to your let let's let's do a fresh segment here and talk about what Spotify should do yeah So my point through everything I've written this week about Spotify and all the all the interviews I've sort of given about this whole situation, my point is that like Spotify is a private company. They don't make most of their money from advertising. They make their money from subscriptions and they own the platform that they distribute Joe Rogan on. So essentially like it's a closed environment. Like there is no there is no public airwaves that they're airing this on. There is no Real advertisers that you can pressure to stop. I mean, you can you can tell Spotify like I'm not going to let you host my music, which is what Neil Young and 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 Joni Mitchell and other artists have done. But ultimately, if Spotify wants to be the Joe Rogan app, like that's their decision, you know. Yeah. And like, I don't actually think that's a moderation thing. I don't like if a company wants to invest a lot of money to be the home of Joe Rogan. Yeah, everyone can be mad at them. But that's their decision, and like the government or anything, anyone else, like you know, can't make them not decide that. If if they want to commit market share suicide by doing that, like that's their editorial decision. I mean, they are. This always comes back to the publisher versus platform thing, and I don't think there's been a clear example of the fact that they absolutely are a publisher and not a platform. I think that they can be used as a platform. I would argue that. This, which I believe goes on Spotify. I don't have Spotify. I don't know. Um, but like we would use it as a publish uh, platform because we have no relationship with them. They have no say of what we do. We publish it and use their distribution sub network because it's it's good. But like it, it, it is a, a a kind of a pure platform basis. What they have with Joe Rogan is that they pay him a hundred million dollars in order to right. appear on it. As soon as you are paying someone, and you have that sort of thing. You can't pay someone to say, well, we have no editorial control over it. It's like, no, no, but you have financial control over it. And saying you have financial control and not editorial control is, does not make any sense because your financial control is your editorial control. Like, that's how it works. I mean, it actually gets even messier. So there is no way to directly upload to Spotify. You have to use a middleman. And what's even crazier is that 
for podcasts, the middleman you use is owned by Spotify. So this show, I I upload to Anchor, and Anchor is owned by Spotify. But I've been in bands that have used Spotify, and you cannot upload your band's song to Spotify. You have to use a middleman. So I, I used DistroKid. They're like the most popular one. And for a while, it actually cost money to host on Spotify. So what Spotify has effectively done, which I think is like diabolical that they've been able to get away with it for so long, is that they're saying right now, our service, which you cannot upload directly to and can only be used via middleman, one of which in this exact instance for podcasting we own, is unmoderatable at scale. Meanwhile, the thing that people want them to moderate is the thing that they bought exclusive rights to distribute. Yeah. So it's like it, it, it doesn't make any sense. And they and they seem to think that if they keep pretending like they're Facebook, people are just going to give them a free pass on this, which Facebook shouldn't even have a free pass on this. No. But Spotify is not a user-generated content website. They, they, they don't actually count. It would be like, like – <laughs> like, just, like you can't upload to Spotify. Like it's not like any other website like this. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, and and you know, obviously, all these things. I I don't think. I think it's very hard to come up with a clear black and white line of where being a publisher starts and being a platform ends. But the paying for content is is absolutely over that line, and it's not even close. Yeah, and not even, and we're not even talking yet about like the incredibly shady deals that Spotify has in terms of playlist placement. Like Rap Caviar is, I think, the biggest still the biggest playlist on Spotify. It determines like every song that's big in in the rap world, and I'm fairly certain that is not all organically chosen to be there. Well, to be fair. Radio payola has been a thing for a very long time. So that in many ways that is that is Luke, it is arguably I'm aware less corrupt. The word payola comes from the radio. Yeah. But there's also serious laws in America against payola. Sure, but Spotify is technically Swedish, I think, so it's fine. And they're not on the radio. And I think I think that's that is like to me the most interesting sort of take on this, which is that like platforms like Spotify are getting around federal regulations of how the radio has worked for a century. <laughs> that's that's what this is. That's all this is. The last person to do that was LBJ. Did he? I don't know. Yeah, no, he owned a load of uh sorry, his his wife owned a load of radio oh. stations he made a huge amount of money from, but it was fine because his wife owned them. Right, I see. Okay. I just I don't I don't actually care what Spotify does with Joe Rogan. If they want to keep Joe Rogan that's fine. I know that as a consumer, I will eventually stop using Spotify if artists I care about leave, if the price gets too much, or if they if they allow Joe Rogan to publish something so absolutely horrible that I like I can't in good conscience pay them anymore. And I think I would take our sh- I, I I actually don't worry about taking our show off Spotify because I don't think anyone listens to us through Spotify. But no, yeah, I, it would not stress me out if we did that. No, I I don't. But for a lot of people, a lot of musicians, Spotify is kind of one of the only avenues to get popular, although TikTok's changing that, but then TikTok is even worse than Spotify. So it's like it's like there's no good options here. Yeah, it's just different. TikTok is just a different sort of payola. Oh my god, it's like even worse. Yeah. And so I guess like to to go all the way back to sort of the the Joe Rogan dilemma. And cuz I think a lot of people right now are trying to figure out like okay, so what do we do? 
And in a perfect world, I would say download and keep all your music. But I, I actually think that's yeah. kind of not even realistic anymore because musicians aren't even really making music at a in terms of units that can be kept. Like the album, if you think about it, is something that is a delivery mechanism for a bunch of songs. But if if streaming exists, there's no reason for an album really. So a lot of musicians don't even make albums anymore. Or if they do, they make smaller albums or whatever. Or Drake, you make super long ones. So like. I just, I think the blockchain could fix this, Luke. I think that's what it is. <laughs> you know, I actually, I have not seen a huge amount about Joe Rogan and Bitcoin, and he doesn't seem like a, I don't know, is he a Bitcoin guy? Maybe he's a big, I don't know if he's a Bitcoin guy. I know many guys who are Bitcoin guys who love Joe Rogan. No, I, I get that. I just feel like him specifically, it's like, like Kanye being extremely anti-Bitcoin or anti-NFT. Where it's like so chaotic, but I, I, yeah, I know, I get it. I'm kind of like, sure, okay, yeah, I, it makes sense in its way. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Rogan owned bitcoins, but was also still sort of waiting to see how that whole thing plays out. I could see that. Yeah, no, I buy that. That makes sense. I don't think he's an NFT guy because I just don't think he's smart enough to even get in on the grift. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know, but I feel like he, it's too. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's just yeah, maybe it's just the grift. It's not into it. <laughs> so here's something I wanted to end on because I thought it was I thought it was interesting. I got sent this by a Joe Rogan fan, and it's a really fascinating conspiracy theory, which basically says that <laughs> if I understand it, because it, okay, so it's a video. Actually, no, you 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 walk us through this 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 video I just sent you. All right, all right. All right, so we're starting with some Neil Young music, uh, and over it we have a, 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 a search for who owns Neil Young songs, and we then get to uh, uh, scrolling through a bunch of screens, but we get to the uh, hippo hippo hippogesis fund, hippogenesis fund, which apparently is owned by the Blackstone Group, which is uh, appointed as its CEO the former chairman of Pfizer. So this video, if I understand it correctly, is implying that Neil Young works for Pfizer? No, it's implying that Neil's Young, Neil Young's music is owned by a fund which is owned by Blackstone, the CEO of which is an ex-Pfizer executive. So the implication is I... that the ex-Pfizer executive has said, Joe Rogan is being anti-vax, therefore I'm going to use... My the vast power of Blackstone, <laughs> one of the most powerful companies <laughs> in the world, to say, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna make notoriously uh, cantankerous uh, musician Neil Young take his music off Spotify. That's gonna do it. That's gonna take down Joe Rogan. Uh, that is the most effective thing we can do. Because Joe Rogan is getting in the way of Pfizer making a profit off the vaccine. That is the theory. Yes, that is the theory. So I think that's true. Uh, all right, great episode. <laughs> all done. <laughs> yeah, good. Okay. So cool. okay, but in actuality, my my last question here, uh, Luke, do you? And this is something that I mentioned um, on another great podcast about this exact topic uh, that I was on this week, uh, which is the Ship Post podcast by Jared Holt. Uh, definitely recommend checking that out. And. Something that sort of occurred to me during that interview, and I want to get your take on this, is like, 
Do you think other platforms are going to figure out that this is like a way to get around being a neutral platform? Like, are they going to follow the Dave Chappelle, Netflix, Joe Rogan, Spotify playbook and just start hiring their most like controversial creators? I mean, the reality is, is that no company has ever really been forced into suspending a relationship that is commercially beneficial for it. Some of them have made that ethical decision for themselves. Fine. Most haven't. Like Netflix, enormous company, makes billions of dollars. It doesn't actually need Chappelle. And it just did it anyway, and it stuck with it, even though it, all its employees were furious, and everyone was furious, rightly so. And then it just kind of just didn't do anything. And to me, that is the model that Joe Rogan and others are demonstrating, that you can just ignore them and they'll go away. Yeah. Like, that is That's scary. kind of the whole deal. It's pretty scary, huh? Um, maybe. I don't know. I, I just... It's one of these things where it's always felt like, you know, if you're waiting for large companies to have find a, a moral and ethical backbone, you're going to be waiting a really long time. Yeah, I do think that, like, that is kind of a funny dimension to this where it's like, oh, no, the extremely powerful company. Is it like, is it being woke? And it's like, of course not. <laughs> like, is, is they can make a lot of my money. Friend? Yeah, like Spotify isn't sending you end-of-the-year playlists because it likes you. It's sending you end-of-the-year playlists because it has all of your personal information and is using that to emotionally manipulate you. Yeah, I, I, the more I think about this, the more I actually can't think of a single example in which someone has made a commercially non-beneficial decision. Like, like, like someone's made a serious decision for them. Like, we always talk about... Like, the guy, the guy who invented Flappy Bird taking it off the App Store. Yeah, but that was because everyone was mad at him. They weren't mad at him. They were a bit. They were pretty mad at him. They were no. He said it was too addictive, and he removed it from the app store. That's the, that's the first and last time that's ever happened. Everyone's yelling at him. I don't remember that. Yeah, because everyone's mad at Flappy Bird. I don't remember people being mad at Flappy Bird, other than that it was too hard. Yeah, exactly, and therefore they were yelling at him. Oh, I see. Interesting. Yeah. No. I, I, yeah. I, I think broadly speaking, the guy, the the Wordle guy, made a much better decision there and just sold it to a company who could deal with it that was bigger. Like terrible thing to have happened, but fine for him and the, the correct decision because, yeah, like he's one dude in an apartment. He doesn't want to wake up one day and, and Wordle's you know fritzed out and he has ten million people yelling at him for no reason and he's just a guy. Are you talking about the Wordle guy? Yeah, sell it, yeah, absolutely. You should sell it to a big company. I think it's disgusting the New York Times have done this, and it feels very much like, I don't know, it feels like a bad vibe. But bringing it back around to the original point, broadly speaking, when companies make decisions that are quote-unquote woke, it is because it is in line with their brand values and that they think they can sell more stuff that way. Like, that is it. We always we all know this is the thing. It's cool that companies do it. It is probably helpful in the long term. It is also not something that should ever be viewed as anything other than, like, this is pretty cynical. You know what I think Spotify should do? What? They should IRS? give an equal They should give us well, 100 million dollars. I think they should balance it out and give an equally large contract to the women of the Red Scare. <laughs> yes. Okay. I think I mean then they will we, have cornered We're going we're gonna to need some pro vaccination voices on that though. Yeah, I was going to say they will have <laughs> cornered the the political compass of people who do not take vaccines. <laughs> yeah. 
sorry, we shouldn't talk about that. That's not fair to make fun of someone suffering like that. She was she was having a baby, therefore she doesn't take the vaccine. It's fine. It's all fine. People who do podcasts are very normal people. That, that's <laughs> I think the takeaway of this whole episode. Yes, for sure. I uh, I feel like I feel like we've sort of I think we've zeroed in on on Joe Rogan's whole deal this episode. I feel I feel uh, I think we yeah. got it right. Yeah, we've nailed we got it. it. We we understand we what his, we understand what his deal is. All right. Hey, Luke, have you consumed any content to say saying this week? Yeah, I'm listening to a podcast about tigers. Is it Tiger King related or is this a different no, tiger thing? Different tigers. What kind is of it, tigers? It's about Siegfried and Roy and their tigers. Oh, well, you can tell me all about that over on patreon.com slash the content minds. Uh, I will also be talking about the content that I consumed this week, which was the Korean show. All of us are dead. Cool. So I want to talk about Korean TV. Uh, and so you can hear that in our bonus episode at patreon.com slash the content minds. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Thank you guys for supporting our, uh, our podcast by subscribing on Patreon. If there are, uh, things you want us to watch or talk about, let us know. We're always trying to find cool ways to make the bonus episodes more fun for you. Thank you guys for, for subscribing and listening. Um, and, uh, please go to your podcast host of choice and leave a review for the show as uh as if you just smoked DMT. Okay. That's so you're so you're trying to give us a review but you are feeling the the, uh, the the mental effects of DMT as you're writing, which is Joe Rogan's favorite drug. So uh cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Have a great week everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.